ulterior. Hold up, I'm gonna see if the microphone picks up this sound. Did it do it? I guess I'll find out when I hear the audio back. Um, I really wish that was something other than lemonade, but that's all I really have right now. Um, yeah, 2022, season two of Ulterior. And there have been a couple of changes already made to the format, not only of the podcast, but also what I have been doing on social media. Uh, if you if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, I would imagine that by this point, you've at least seen what I mean by differences. Um, yeah, so... That was kind of always the plan. Uh, I really, really like switching things up constantly, not just like with uh, Ulterior, but in my personal life too. I can't have things stay the same. You know, I'm constantly just like changing my hair, changing certain things about my appearance. Uh, I, I need to change up like a daily routine all the time. I can never have anything stay the same. And I am I, I, I'm enjoying the process of putting that um, need for constant change into Ulterior. Um so what I'm actually going to do now is I'm going to play the intro and then I will get into what has changed, what won't change, and what's going to happen moving forward. So yeah, thanks. So that was one of the changes. I had previously been using Moray by Lost Trees as the intro song, an outro song for that matter. Uh, that was Sonderize. It's from the same band, Lost Trees. I just kind of felt like switching it up, and I really, really enjoy that song as well. So it kind of made sense for me, at least in my head, to go ahead and implement that song into Ulterior moving forward now. Um, if you're listening to this on... Well, it's only going up on Spotify. I don't know why I was going to say if you're hearing it on Spotify. But as you can see... The name of the show has changed. I never actually liked the name Ulterior but Make It a Podcast because when I named it, I was kind of like, it was a joke to me. Uh, I didn't expect podcasting to actually be something that I wanted to take like immensely seriously, but that was what my interest in podcasting evolved into. So I wanted a name that I think spoke more to what this platform actually is. And alternate the show, I got the name of it while watching Attack of the Show and I just thought it was a pretty cool name so i'm gonna go ahead and roll with it now um so that's what's changed for the podcast uh the things are saying the same is literally everything else uh you know the format of talking about certain singles and then going into records that is going to stay the same i have no interest in changing that because i really really did like the flow of what i was doing in 2021 slash season one and um as far as like what changed on social media the backdrop design is new the rating system for records and EPs and singles has kind of been tweaked. So EPs used to be on a five-point scale. They have now moved to the 10-point scale. So EPs and albums are rated on the same scale. Singles used to be rated on a three-point scale of liked, didn't mind, didn't like. That has also been changed. They are now being rated on a five-point scale. Singles cannot go half points, so it can't be like four and a half or three and a half. It has to be a solid number. Whereas EPs and albums, those can go by half numbers. Um, that has been the biggest change made so far. As far as like what's staying the same on social media, the, I, well, I guess the logo changed too, but like that's more of like just a cosmetic thing. It's not really affecting the operations of anything. Um, the iteration logo or the, the, uh, the symbol mascot thing, the cat thing, that has stayed the same. That will always be the same. I don't intend to ever, ever change that. Um, the, the scheduling for the weekend was kind of off because I had to start the cycle on Saturday because that was when January 1st was, but moving forward, uh, Fridays will be when record reviews go up and then Saturday will be for singles and then Sunday scenic overlook. And then, uh, Wednesday, like Tuesday or Wednesday is when I assume I'll be able to get the podcast up weekly. So that scheduling is not changing. I want to keep that going and yeah, I suppose that's all that has really, really changed. I say all. It's actually quite a lot that changed, but hopefully it's enough for everybody to keep up with.
Um, I'm also realizing now I didn't do like my actual name intro. Uh, hi, I'm Carlos or Arson or whatever you know me as. You get the point already. Uh, so this episode, there's actually nothing from 2022 covered uh, in this particular episode. This is going to look at the December releases that I didn't get to talk about because they came out after the cutoff date of December 3rd for the year-end stuff. Uh, so this is all... 2021 stuff not 2022 but it fits into what i am considering to be the uh evaluation period for season two of ulterior and i I suppose all that being said that's kind of what i really really needed to get through for announcements there are some other things on my mind but i will go more in depth on those later on at a more appropriate time uh right now i just want to go ahead and get into singles and so this wasn't a one week period this was uh, accumulated over about a month so these are the singles from that frame that I've chosen to talk about. And the first one is going to be the number one song in Cinco Vogue, and thus the first song to get automatic entry into the top 100 songs list for season two, which will drop in December of this year, 2022. Uh, the song is What Do You Want From Me by Bad Omens. This will be featured on The Death of Peace of Mind, which releases February 25th. And literally, the only thing so far about this record that I don't like is just the fact that I have to wait until the end of February to get to hear it. I have been immensely enjoying everything that Bad Omens have been doing so far. Uh, I talked about the title track about two months ago at this point, and... Like, I still go back to it very, very often. I loved how different that song sounded compared to what Bad Omens were doing prior. And I feel the same way about What Do You Want For Me. This song takes on, like, vibes that extend to territory of, like, techno, industrial, electronic dance. Like, it's so strange. And it's nothing that I can actually, like, describe. It's the kind of song that... Uh, all I can really, you know, suggest to all of you is to just to go check it out yourselves and hear what this I- insane amalgamation is that Bad Omens crafted. You have like characteristics of Bad Omens, like some heavier stuff that comes in towards the end of the track, but for the majority of its runtime, it's just so like unrecognizable from Bad Omens. But I say that with all the respect in the world and in the nicest way possible because I love what they're doing. I love when bands like Bad Omens are able to venture into other realms and bring with them that seamless like um, prowess that they've always displayed in metalcore, alternative rock, whatever you want to call what they've been doing. They are just branching out like fucking crazy and I think uh, What Do You Want From Me is a great example of like what I feel could be such a... Uh, um, I don't want to say like a revolutionary record on the part of Bad Omens, but just something that, you know, this time next year, I'll be able to look back on 2022 and describe as like a milestone for not only the band, but the scene at large. And the other thing too, is that if you're not into this new direction of Bad Omens and you just want like that straightforward metalcore sound from them, um, I, I, I kind of want to say kick rocks, but at the same time, I understand everybody has their own taste and the interest. It is what it is. Um, but if you do want that metalcore Bad Omens style, they did drop a new single at the same time as What Do You Want From Me called Artificial Suicide. And even then, like, while it is that straightforward metalcore style that I think Bad Omens have by this point just, like, completely refined for their own, uh, like, their own sound, Artificial Suicide still has moments throughout it that feel experimental. If anything, I would say that there are instances where this song reminds me of, like, what Bring Me the Horizon did on Parasite Eve, where some of these moments feel so, like, atmospheric and, like, futuresque and... It's able to give Artificial Suicide, like, the kind of life that I think I, not that Bad Omens need, but just coming off of the title track, and then also What Do You Want From Me, to, to get, like, just a straightforward generic metalcore song from them, I personally think would have been disappointing, but because Artificial Suicide has, like, so many other avenues going for it, it makes this one of the most fulfilling metalcore songs i've listened to recently i really 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 enjoy artificial suicide i think everything that bad omens have been doing so far for the death of peace of mind is just an absolute fucking home run you know three songs so far out of 15 
obviously that doesn't mean anything because that's like a, a a wide gap but it's looking really really good it's sounding really really promising and just three songs in and i really really think a case can be made for bad omens being at this point like probably one of the most exciting bands in the scene we got a brand new single out from maybe someday the song is called set myself on fire They'd be showing some love to Ulterior through TikTok, so shouts out to Maybe Someday, great dudes. Um, this song is really, really fucking sick. I've been enjoying everything that this band's been putting out since they released Without Warning as like their lead, or debut single rather, back in June or July of 2021, I think it was. Um, they have a couple songs their names already, and Set Myself on Fire being the most recent. The, the thing that draws me to Maybe Someday so much is like, that nostalgia element that they play so fucking well and how this is the kind of a song where, or really they're the kind of band at large where you know i could have easily imagined myself being like 11 12 years old on myspace and having this kind of post-hardcore like just like plastered all over my page I, I i cannot get enough of this sound i think they're not just like doing a throwback sound for the sake of it they actually have talent here like there is a real ability within this band to craft together some of the coolest post-hardcore sounds of the modern age in my opinion and yeah i've enjoyed everything they've done so far and i uh, i would imagine that at this point they've built up a well enough reputation to where i will continue to enjoy everything that they do from here on out so now I'm going to get into a band called Future Palace. I initially believed that this was my first time hearing them, but I actually had some of their songs saved prior. Nothing that really stood out to me, but this time with the single Heads Up, they stand out in the best way possible. I talked about Bad Omens earlier and how they are kind of evolving their sound. I think Heads Up is very in line with what Bad Omens or a band like Bad Omens were doing prior. Like that sort of alternative rock style mixed with metalcore is so prominent on Heads Up and it's done incredibly well. I was so taken aback by this track and just how fluid it sounds, how great everybody within the band comes across in this track. Um, the way that, like, it starts off, like, kind of on a heavy note, and then you get a, not like a slow, uh, verse, but just like a, a more relaxed, at least in terms of, uh, relating to the pace of the choruses, and then once said chorus comes in, it is, like, just so emphatic and catchy, and it sounds, like, giant, massive, and arena-ready, um, the bridge itself is also, like, a really, uh, strong point of the track, it's, like, really heavy, and then it goes back to what it was prior with the chorus, just this song works incredibly well i love it so much i can't really believe that this is the first time that i'm like really really giving future powers their flowers even if i just said i have heard of them before i just didn't remember them but now there is no possible way that future powers is going to leave my brain so i feel like this is going to be a really really big year for lights that's not just like a desire or a hope but an actual prediction and I don't see how other people who are fans of Lights wouldn't feel that way hearing the new single Real Thing, which features Aloem. I think there's kind of a juxtaposition between this track and the other single from Lights recently, which was Prodigal Daughter. Prodigal Daughter was like kind of more like an upbeat pop tune and it had like that real infectious nature to it. Whereas Real Thing, it sounds like a lot more subdued. It's very kind of muted in some areas, but that laid back EDM pop style of Lights, I think is one of the areas, many areas where she just shines like a fucking superstar. I cannot get enough of Lights. She's been one of my favorite artists from the moment I first heard of her. Um, and, and I feel like my affinity for her continues to grow and grow with every release. 
um real thing like i said it has like that really laid back nature to it but at the same time it, it's the kind of song that has like the lyrical content that just like really really gets you or at least me personally like just kind of seeing this song for more than just what it is so and what i mean by that is the chorus here goes i'm looking for the real thing always looking for the real thing but tell me is the real thing even a real thing oh uh, what the fuck man um and then it gets me just like really really in my feels in like a lot of ways and that is the exact like kind of emotion that i adore lights for being able to bring out of me just like having these really really heartfelt tracks yet it sounds like so like just danceable like you can nod your head to it get lost in it and i like like i said earlier i feel like this is gonna be a really really big year for her i think she has teased a record this year like her first like proper record since skin and earth which is gonna turn five years old this year holy shit where is time fucking going dog but yeah expect so much more discourse about lights on this show throughout the rest of the year i'm not really sure how many people listening to this are aware of the band life awaits but, you know, maybe this can be your introduction to it, and they have a new single out called Unchained. I first came across this band back in 2017. It was on a song called You, which I would describe as like a more laid back, heartfelt, uh, like alternative rock song akin to maybe something like Bring Me the Horizon or Linkin Park. And then with this new song, or rather, let me say this. After You, they had a bunch of other songs that I would say I enjoy for the most part, but nothing that really, really stood out to me and like grabbed my attention the way that You did. And that that's kind of been my feelings about this band up until unchained dropped and hearing this song there's just like so much life implemented into what is happening on unchained and it feels like i guess like you know appropriate to the title it, it feels like life awaits you know breaking free and having this like you know uh i don't want to say newfound motivation but it just like sounds like a rejuvenated band um, so I made the comparisons to Bream of the Horizon and Linkin Park for a song from them I had heard prior. I would say that Unchained, it fits into like the metalcore category that bands like, uh, Of Mice and Men or Kingdom of Giants encompass. It has like that real, just like bouncy, giant nature to its instrumentation. And then, you know, throughout the, the song, you have some sections where it's like harsh screaming vocals. But then when the chorus comes in, it's so beautiful and enchanting, and it just somehow fits perfectly into the same instrumentation that the the harsh vocals fit into. Um, I, I think this is a real standout for Life Awaits. I enjoy this song uh, to the utmost extent. And, you know, if there's going to be more coming from this band in 2022, I have to give you saying that, that sounds anything like Unchained, I'm going to be eating real fucking good. So another band who I believed initially I was just discovering this month, but then I realized, oh wait, no, I have heard of them before. I have a song for them saved on Spotify from a while back. I just couldn't really remember it, but I really enjoyed Grudge by Lightwave, which features Connor Hallisey from Our Hollow, Our Home. This is going to be on the debut EP from Lightwave called Dark Cycles out February 5th. And I really can't say enough good things about this track. I think if anything, like maybe, you know, I could point out like the production elements or like the mixing is being like kind of off. But even then, it's not a bother to me. I am able to kind of immerse myself into what Grudge is bringing me. And what it brings me is this like alternative sensibility that is so in alignment with what i think is working right now for the scene so you have your moments throughout the song where like you know it picks up the pace and it is heavy but for the most part it's just like really really straightforward and to the point and the chorus comes in and it is like so catchy and everything that i love about like those alternative driven like metalcore courses um, when Connor comes in on the bridge, I think he adds this element to grudge that just 
takes it to another level. It's really, really good. I have been enjoying this song a lot. I remember the first time I heard it last week, I was kind of just like, yeah, this is good. And then just more and more, I'm like, well, this is actually like excellent. And, uh, you know, this could spell like a really, really good EP come February 5th for Lightwave. The final single for this week that I'm giving its own dedicated spotlight to is the brand new A Bitter End song called Behind the Light. I had heard a couple of a bitter light or a bitter end songs uh last year. I think maybe two of them, but it had been a while since I saw their name show up in like my release radar stuff. Um this song is not like what I remember them sounding like. This is really, really interesting. Um the the biggest comparison that I could make as far as like instrumentally and like how the mixing and production sounds on Behind the Light is it really, really reminds me of Sundowning My Sleep Token. It has like that kind of atmospheric vibe to it, that just like really, really raw and gritty nature that is able to make Behind the Light one of my favorite songs I've heard so far for season two of Ulterior. I think it is paced incredibly well it's never like there's never a dull moment like you know i can be hearing it and i'm like man this is like kind of chaotic and then the next moment it's just like is this even chaos or is this like beauty and that uh you know mixture of all these different elements really really made behind the light a standout song for myself personally this week i cannot say enough good things about it i think uh, you know if this is what a bitter end are capable of and they can do all throughout 2022 like more people need to know about this band and i did see uh this uh state of the scene comment on this song and post it on their twitter as like uh hey you guys need to check out this new band that maybe you haven't heard of before i echo that sentiment you need to go check out a better end if you know everything that i've been talking about with like metalcore sleep token sundowning if any of that like speaks to your interest you need to go listen to behind the light these were the remaining songs from last week that i gave either a four or a five to burn by codis fracture by daybreak apologies by dead awake Mirrors Aren't Kind by Ghost Seeker, Bearing Sea by In Chaos, Left for Dead by Memphis Mayfire, Tapa by Pale Dusk, Even If by Royal Coda, which is a YouTube exclusive right now, you can't go stream it, Dying to Watch by Saving Vice, Dagger Like Eyes by Seek Harbor, Of Fury by Shadow Intent, Made to Please by Spite, Butterfly Knife by Strawberry Girls featuring Ben Rossett and Zachary Guerin, Carrier by The Artificials, and Closer by Varsity. There was one song that I gave a three to, so that falls into the I didn't mind category, that being Hotel Room by Megan Dia. I remember the last Megan Dia record, I think it was 2019, and it was out on Pure Noise. That one was really, really good, and it got me interested in Megan Dia. Uh, Hotel Room, I, I get the sense of what it's going for, I just don't think it really, really fulfills that potential or capability to the fullest extent that it could have. Okay, so now we're going to get into records. There were five of them. We have... Uh, two albums and three EPs. I'm going to go ahead and start with an album that was meant to have been released within the 2021 cycle, but then it got pushed to December 10th. So it fell out of that uh, 2021 season one year end running stuff. And that is going to be the new album from Siamese called Home. Admittedly, I didn't know a ton about Siamese coming into this record, so I kind of had to like do a deep dive into their discography, or at least like what's available on Spotify. They used to be called Siamese Fighting Fish, and their debut record from 2012, Breathe, See, Move, I actually really, really enjoy. I was kind of like taken by surprise uh, with that. Uh, the same thing with the self-title from 2015, I thought that was a really, really good record as well. When you get to Shameless in 2017, I think that's where you kind of start to see the transition from Siamese into the sound that is prominently featured on Home. Full disclosure and transparency, I paused the recording right now to go get Starbucks, so yeah, I started the episode with Lemonade, now I'm about to drink Starbucks. My stomach finna sound like the ending of To The Hellfire, but it is what it is, it'd be what it'd be. 
But the original point I was going to get to was that Siamese having like a certain change of sound at some point in their career, I think that bleeds heavily into home and home. It doesn't feel like like a, a new direction for Siamese as much as it's an extension off of what they were already doing, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think Siamese style of metalcore is very welcome. It's very easy to appreciate and just get into. Uh, having said that, though, the the way that this record cycle began with Home uh, dropping back in 2020, which features Drew York from Straight From The Path, I don't really think this song delivers the exact way that I would hope for it to. And what I mean by that is, like, I understand everything that, uh you know, this song is attempting and that it's going for. And to some extent, it sounds really, really good. It just to me, doesn't sound complete. Like, those elements of, like, um, fusing metalcore with, like, these electronic tones, I feel like I've heard it be done better by other bands, but to the credit of Siamese, like I said, I understand what Home was going for. I personally just don't really think it succeeded in that manner. And not to the same extent, but similarly with the opening track, Heights Above, to me, that feels like... Um, you know, it introduces the ideas of home pretty thoroughly, and I don't dislike the song at all. I would actually say I do enjoy it, but having gotten through all of home the first time, I thought heights above, you know, in comparison to something like Can't Force the Love, Erase My Mind, Rather Be Lonely, it doesn't deliver with the, like, the emphatic nature that I ask for opening tracks to do so. Um... That being said, like, there were a ton of singles going into the record that I did highly enjoy, and in the case of Rather Be Lonely, I would say I thought that was, like, maybe quite possibly the strongest song I've ever heard coming out of Siamese. Rather Be Lonely is so just, like, catchy and heartfelt and, like, just really, really tugs at the heartstrings while being able to provide, for me at least, this sonic tone that just makes me like want to like nod my head and like the rhythm of it but at the same time it's like man this song is like really really doing things to me like and that emotion that rather be lonely is able to draw out of me like that is kind of what i was hoping to get more out of from home and not to say that i didn't with other tracks i would say uh i just mentioned can't force the love that's another one where i thought like man this is the band like just like really really hitting everything that they mean to and with songs like, again, Can't Force the Love and Rather Be Lonely, to me, like, that is Siamese personified. Like, that is the exact tone that I'm looking for out of Siamese. I also think a song like Holy has no business being as great as it is. That chorus in particular, like, that is an instance of Siamese, again, like, understanding these concepts to pure fucking perfection and refining them to the point where I'm saying that, like, out of everything that I'm reviewing on this episode, Holy is one of the best songs of any of these packages. I just feel like that's another case of Siamese, like, I don't want to say being a step above everybody else, but like at least being on an even playing field with some of the most elite bands in metalcore. Um, Enough and Enough, which features Roy Rodriguez from Dayseeker, that song, I think, shows off like the feature capabilities i would say in comparison to what i mentioned with um the title track which featured drew york i feel like with rory's implementation it feels so seamless and like effortless in a way and it's one of those featured tracks where like it's so hard to imagine it without the rory implementation but then after uh ain't enough ain't enough comes in as the seventh track on this record i feel like to some extent the record hits like a bit of a of a downturn a bit of a low point and again not really a low point in the sense of like i didn't enjoy any of these songs but like when it comes to numb or past the end that is where i kind of felt this sense of repetition and maybe like not necessarily the capitalization on these incredible ideas that i know the band introduced all throughout this record they kind of felt like really really formulaic in some ways um i would say even the closer slow boda like that one it didn't make a ton of sense to me and I just felt like it closed the record on one of the weaker notes in the track listing. And that was a shame, especially considering I already said with the opener, Heights Above, I didn't feel like that one lived up to its potential. But like to the credit of Sloboda, I think it does a good job at reintroducing all the elements of home and combining them into the, this like one cumul cumulative, I still cannot fucking say that word, cumulative effort 
Um, but there's something about the course and the delivery of it. And I guess maybe the way that the, the word slow boda is being, um, accentuated here. It just kind of feels a little bit flat. It doesn't really feel like this record is closing as properly as it could have. I do want to give a big nod to the penultimate song on here, Yoga. With that one, you have this like, um, orchestral, um, vibrancy being brought into the song. And I think blending that with what Siamese were already doing, it makes Yoga stand out in all of the right ways. I feel like this song really shows a lot of characteristics on the part of, or not characteristics, or just a lot of character and personality on the part of Siamese and that awareness to understand like how something from outside of scene boundaries can fit into what it is that they were already doing um it, it's built up perfectly paced perfectly the outro that allows that orchestral element to just really really shine i felt like yoga might have suited better as the closer as opposed to slow boda um, but again, like, I don't want anything that I'm saying with this review to come across as, like, negative in, in any way. I did have, like, some issues with the way that certain things were executed or maybe not so thoroughly executed. Um, but, like, so what, what I was saying earlier about songs like Rather Be Lonely and Holy, like, I'm gonna keep going back to these songs. Like, they are fucking class. And ultimately, I was able to get shit out of this record that I'm going to be keeping on a constant rotation. And so in that sense, I would say that Home was a success. It just maybe wasn't a success to the point where I would feel like had this actually made the cutoff point for season one's year end stuff. I don't know if this would have made the top 50. I, I really don't think so. Uh, so in that sense, a little bit of a letdown maybe, but like, again, there's still so much material here that I'm going to be playing over and over again. I can already like, while I'm talking, just hear the chorus of Holy in my head. And I really, really want to go fucking listen to it now. So I'll probably do that once I'm done recording all this shit. But yeah, Home by Siamese. Overall, good record. Maybe not as good as I hoped it would be or thought it could be, but I don't have any issues ultimately with recommending this to anybody who feels like everything I've been describing with metalcore and like the blend of alternative, if that's something that you think you can get into, go check out Home. Um, so I'm looking at what's left to review. I'm just going to go ahead and get into the other record for this week, that being the new release out of Malfoy, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, Hollow Throne. I don't entirely remember how I even came across Hollow Throne. It wasn't through Dreambound. It wasn't just like a, a recommendation on Spotify because I wasn't following this band. I had not heard of them until this record released. I guess maybe it was like a Twitter suggestion. Maybe I saw someone listening to this record on there or like just posting about it. And I decided to just go ahead and add it to the pool for what, what, I, what I would be talking about this week. Um... And I, I think the other thing I did, so I'm just going to go ahead and uh, open Malfoy's uh, bio or, or just their Spotify page uh, because this does express... Why can't I talk, dude? This does explain why I decided to check out this record. So when you go to Malfoy's Spotify page and you look at the like fans also like section, you know, there's Landless, there's um, Breathe Atlantis, there's... Um, I guess those are the only two. Oh, venues. I, I remember talking about them before. So, like, you know, these are bands that I'm familiar with, and I understand what kind of a metalcore sound they embody. So, I looked at that, and I thought, okay, maybe Malfoy, there's something here. Like, there's something here that I wouldn't mind taking the time to check out and review on this show. Um... But again, I went into this blind. I had never heard of them before, had not listened to a single song. All I knew was what Spotify was telling me. So going into this record, I totally didn't know what to expect. You press play on the opening song, Everything, and genuinely, everything just happened. I heard that song and I was like, what the fuck is this band? Like, this is incredible. Like, it's the kind of metalcore that 
knows exactly how to find the perfect balance between being heavy when you need to and then also having this incredible melodic sensibility when the time it calls for it. So with everything, the instrumentation is so emotional and just like does an incredible job at painting this picture of, to me, like metalcore personified. Like this is the exact kind of metalcore that I'm looking for. This is exactly what I'm after. Um, what I mentioned, uh, Landless as being like one of the bands that Spotify recommended to me if I was into, uh, Malfoy, I could sense that comparison, that attachment to one another's works immediately. Everything is the perfect opening song. Cars passing by, cars passing by, cars passing by, cars passing by, fuck dude. Multiple cars. I could actually just go in and edit this out, but that takes too much time. I really, really don't want to extend this process beyond what it is. But anyways, everything is the perfect opening song. And in, in that sense, it's a little bit deceiving. And I say that because I got through everything and I was like, holy shit, if the rest of the record is this fucking good, like, do I have like a, a top 50 record of the year already one week into the, this season? And ultimately, uh, no. No, I don't. I truly don't even know if I have a record that I'm going to remember next week. And I don't mean that insultingly. I'm just saying that, you know, putting together this review for Hollow Throne, I had to go back and listen to certain things just to try to remember exactly like what was it about these songs that I wasn't really fucking with entirely. Um, so I'm going to skip ahead to Fading Hope. That's the third song. Fading Hope, aside from everything, I would say was like another high point because I think Fading Hope better resembles the rest of the record more so than everything does. And to me, I hear this song and the comparison that comes to mind as far as like what Malfoy sounds like, or at least what kind of sound they're going for. To me, it sounded like Kill Switch Engaged mixed with Bad Omens. I feel like this is like the fucking fifth time in this episode that I mentioned Bad Omens in some capacity, uh, even without talking about them directly, but that is just like the sonic vibe that I got out of Hollow Throne. Fading Hope, like I said, I felt like it perfectly encapsulates what that kind of a sound really, really encompasses. Even Sleepless, which comes in as the sixth track on here, I would say that's also another really, really good take on what Hollow Throne means to be, but once you get past Fading Hope initially, and then you have that stretch between, or the back-to-back stretch of Solitude and Wear the Crown, that's where I'm like, okay, I hear the ideas, I know what is happening here, but already there feels like some sense of repetition with the choruses, like there's not really a lot done to change the vocal delivery about it, or like really... The instrumentation, the instrumentation is different for every song, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't feel like I could actually differentiate what was going on between those two songs, and like, they kind of blend in with each other in a lot of ways, and I would say after Sleepless, you have a stretch of like, misery, and then evil within, and emptiness inside, where that, um, like, blending of every, all the material it becomes even more apparent. I would even say emptiness inside. By the time I got to that, there was truthfully a part of me that was kind of just waiting for the record to be over. And not that it was boring or that I was like, uh, disliking anything I was hearing. It's just, I guess, um, I guess maybe because everything was such a good opener, it kind of felt like the record was going a little bit downhill after that. Like, you know, I, I, I said good things about fading hope and sleepless. So I gave those songs five iterations in the review. I would have given everything six or seven iterations if I could have. That was how much I liked that song. That's how fucking good I think it is. And it just felt like from there, Hollow Throne didn't really do much to try and like recapture that magic found on everything. And actually, like I was looking at the band's uh, Spotify discography earlier because again, like this is my first time hearing them. Fading Hope, Sleepless, and Everything, those were the first three singles released for Hollow Throne. You know, this all dates back to 2020, and I feel like if I had heard this band back then, those three singles coming uh, within succession of one another, like, that would have, I don't want to say tricked, but it would have put me in the mindset of like, hey, this is an incredible band that everybody needs to know about. And I do think that, you know, this band does a lot of really neat things, 
it's just they don't really do a lot to tell me that they are destined to be like one of those standout metalcore acts i think there's a very certain audience that would really 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 fucking adore what's happening on hollow throne and you know if they come across this record and i hope that they do because i want people who are going to be into this to find it i want the people who are going to attach themselves to malfoy to learn about them because you know that's who this record is targeting targeting not necessarily myself so looking at this from the perspective of somebody like myself who is like a, a huge supporter of bands taking chances and like metal having metalcore bands sounding like anything but metalcore at the appropriate moments hollow throne doesn't do enough to really really just like stand out from everything else whether it be what i'm talking about on this episode or i, I talked about in season one um one of the cool things that i will note was how the record closes with an acoustic version of Solitude. Ultimately, I don't really prefer one version over the other. I think both of them are really, really good and they do a lot to, um, like kind of stand out in the, at least towards the upper echelon of the material here. But I really, really do like that you're kind of given an option with Solitude. It's like you can, you know, take the regular Solitude or you can take the, acoustic rendition and you really can't make a bad choice because both of them are really really solid songs um yeah but i guess in conclusion for hollow throne the opening song everything was so 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 fucking good that i think it kind of set this impossible bar for anything that came afterwards to reach um, you have some moments, like I said, with Finding Hope and Solitude where you can see that glimpse of what this band can really, really achieve when they're at the top of their game. But more often than not, I kind of was left with these metalcore songs that just feel like a little bit too similar to each other more often than not. And, you know, for that reason, this isn't going to be a record that I revisit a lot. I'm not going to really really remember the the effect that it had on me or lack thereof outside of everything everything you know had i discovered this in 2020 when it dropped legitimately could have been like a top 50 top 40 song of that year for myself everything is the perfect emotional metalcore song and even if i never think about this record again i will never ever forget everything Okay, so three EPs now. I'm going to go ahead and get into the shortest of the three EPs, and it's actually the one with, like, I guess maybe the most name value for the scene, um, and that is Somewhere Beyond the Blue by The Amity Affliction. I think it's fair to say that the Amity Affliction is one of those scene bands that everybody has an opinion on and some lean so far into the uh, uh, the camp of people who are supporters of the Amity Affliction and always have been and always will be. And then you can go into the avenue where you only see this band as like one of the pillars of Hope Core, which is not necessarily a good thing for a lot of people. I, I, I think there are people in the scene who look at Hope Core and the effect that it had on our little circle back in like 2014, 2015, 2016, and don't really look at it with like the most positive of lenses ever. And to an extent, I can understand like Hope Core was a, a, a very, very strange time and place when it came to scene music. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, and I'll try my best to explain this, um, you guys ever see that meme of like that Snapchat photo where the guy is like, no, don't kill yourself. You're so sexy. That's kind of what Hope Core is. Um, so it's like admittedly, you know, cheesy lyrics about like, uh, finding hope, reaching out to people, saving yourself, like just things like this, which at its core, not a bad message whatsoever. It just kind of felt like certain bands were not really being genuine with getting that message across or just trying to like, sell something in a commercial sense as opposed to like really really help people um 
But that being said, I am not in any position to slander Hopecore because Restoring Force by Mice and Men was my favorite record of 2014. One of my favorite records of the year also would have been uh, Hold On Pain Ends by The Color Morale, which that might be, at least to me, in my eyes, the biggest offender when it comes to Hopecore. Um, and the Amity Affliction exists in that same realm. They had... Um, let the ocean take me back in 2014 and that record like you know just look at songs like don't lean on me or, or way down and you can easily sense what is happening there and then even when you go later on into um this could be heartbreak in 2016 misery in 2018 i felt like was um i don't want to say a turning point for the band but like that one it, it, it was like, and I'm going to get into Somewhere Beyond the Blue in a little bit because I'm kind of like veering slightly off topic from that EP. But when Misery dropped in 2018, I was like, maybe the Amity Affliction like really, really have a point. Maybe this band like has been getting more shit than they really, really deserved. Um, so uh, going forward after that, I kind of had like this newfound admiration for the Amity Affliction. Not that I didn't admire them in any way beforehand, but like with Misery... I started to look at them as like, hey, maybe they really, really are one of my favorite bands. And I've just kind of been uh, subduing that mindset. So going into Somewhere Beyond the Blue, out of the three tracks present here, two of them were already singles beforehand. You had Like Love and Don't Give Up the Ghost. Like Love opens the EP. And to me, I think this is like the perfect summarization of what the Amity Affliction is all about and what they've been all about this whole time. Uh, you know, you have that perfect marriage of the heaviness that uh, they bring in the metalcore genre, but then also that beauty and just the way that it's able to kind of take on a life of its own and just like soar to these new highs. Um, and uh, as always with like love and as it pertains to the Amity Affliction as an entire act, you have that emotional pull when it comes to the lyricism. Drop it on the tongue like love, even though you know it won't be enough. And I think all of that carries over into the second track, Death is All Around, which admittedly doesn't really do a lot to kind of like uh, revolutionize or change up the Amity Afflictions sound in any way. It's really just more of the same of what they've been doing. But when a band is doing it as well as Amity, in my opinion, I don't think there's really this rushed need to kind of show off new versatility, especially on a three-song EP. So I will say that Like Love and Death is All Around it's probably one of the best back-to-back -back combos ever on an Amity Affliction release. And then when you get into Give Up the Ghost, I think my... Like, what's keeping me from admiring that track the way that I do the other two is I don't necessarily believe that the chorus is exactly where it is on Like Love and Death Is All Around. Give Up the Ghost, it has a good chorus, don't get me wrong, and I do like the song overall, it's just, in comparison to the other two tracks, it just kind of felt like something wasn't really there. Like, there was this missing element, and had that been there, like, it would have allowed the song to click the exact way I wanted it to. But just as the material was presented, there's something of a slight, small, sort disconnect when it comes to myself and Give Up the Ghost. Um, but all that being said, I think just... For a three-song EP, what this one does, uh, Somewhere Beyond the Blue, is just kind of like reaffirm that the Amity Affliction, they're able to take that kind of emotional metalcore sound and just really, really craft it and make it their own and stand above so many of the other bands within that genre. Um, and they've never really, like, faltered. I don't think they've ever really, like, lost a step. Maybe on some releases, like, I wasn't really feeling them as much as others, but for the most part, the Amity has been one of the most consistent bands for a really, really, really long time. I think this is a good, like, maybe teaser or taste of what could be coming in the future from the Amity Affliction. And, you know, whatever it is that they're going to be doing, I'm like, you know, uh, ears open, eyes open, fully attentive to whatever this band is going to bring next. There is a brand new EP out from Colt called Hedonist. So what I can say now is... When I did the year-end stuff, so top 100 songs and top 50 records, I made zero mention of Cult in either of those series, and 
that is yeah i um i hold that band over that that was kind of foul of me i don't know if i'd go back and put them in but like just they deserved some kind of a mention because they did quite a lot in 2021 and uh you know that was through the album playstation 2 which is overall just really 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 fucking sick uh the artwork for that record in particular i just like highly highly enjoy and was like so enamored with um it's one of the artworks where, like, if I didn't know about the band beforehand, but I saw that, I would have been, like, so curious and wonder, like, who the fuck are they? Um, so Colt have this very, um, I want to say, like, refined sort of, um, well, it's actually kind of hard to figure out or, or to describe how they, how they sound. So, um, you know, there's, like, alternative, there's slight hints of, like, hip-hop influence, some pop influence, um, I guess maybe a best way to describe them would be like combining like Japanese culture with Chase Atlantic with Linkin Park with other areas of alternative that maybe don't really go together, but they do work so well when it comes to crafting the overall sound of cult. Um, the, the lead single for this EP was, uh, and I apologize because I'm probably going to end up pronouncing some of these things weirdly. Uh, Kiromi featuring 4S, 4KI, and Sakcha Online. Um, so that song, it, it's really, really short and just like kind of straightforward to the point. It blends like, uh, electronic and pop elements together. The chorus has this like nightcore effect to it. If anybody doesn't know what nightcore is, it's like a, uh, I guess a genre on YouTube where, uh, you just like speed up the song and it sounds like really, really high pitched. That is the kind of vibe that I'm getting out of the chorus. And it really, really works. I, I, I highly enjoy this song. I thought it was like a, a, a really good, um, like taste of what it is that cult really, really brings to the scene. And uh, I, I don't deny that it might be my favorite song on the whole EP. And then from there, the other single and also subsequently the opener for the EP was A Man featuring Sleep Mage. Um, so I really, really do like that song. I would say A Man, if it's more into what I was talking about earlier with like those slight hints of influence from bands like Chase Atlantic and Linkin Park. Um, I think there's something a little bit strange going on with A Man. I do like the song. I, I would say I even like borderline love it, but there's like this, uh, pacing to it i guess per se that um i wouldn't have really thought of like opening a, a cult project because when i think of cult i think of like you know these like hyper sounds and just like this like really energetic vibrancy and then with a man that is like kind of muted in some ways like it doesn't really allow cult to like show fully and thoroughly who they are and i guess like maybe i just felt like there could have been a better opening song on this record. I guess maybe that's my overall, like, you know, one real gripe with Amen is that it doesn't really serve the right purpose as an opener, in my opinion. The second song is Eat Acid, See God, which features Pale Dusk. I incredible name, goaded name. I really like the title for that track. Um, and this one, this song, like, God, it's kind of really, really weird because I enjoy Colt and I enjoy Pale Dusk and seeing their names, uh, you know, conjoined for a track, I would have thought it would have made for something that I would have enjoyed a lot more than what I ultimately feel towards Eat Acid Sea God. So Pale Dusk is another Japanese act and their sound is a lot more embroiled in like destruction and chaos and like fast pace, like all over the place kind of shit. Um, think poppy in some ways but also like a little bit um maybe heavier maybe more chaotic it's really really strange to try and get across what pale dusk actually sound like um so you know i i feel like there was potential and there was room for a pale dusk and cult collaboration to work but what ended up happening with eat acid i think was it kind of just made for this really really just like discombobulated song in some areas like there is rhythm here and i can sense in certain areas like what the song is going for what is happening and i would say there are moments where i do like it but just overall i kind of came out of this thinking like this felt like a mess and not necessarily a hot mess in some ways it was just kind of uh, a, a really really strange track and i love like really really weird shit in music alternative music at that but i just couldn't fully connect with what was happening with eat acid 
But following that, you get this back-to-back -back run of the title track and Dancing in the Rain. And these two songs, I think, perfectly personify the more, like, uh, pop and R&B-driven stuff that you can find within Cult. The, the real, like, Chase Atlantic-influenced stuff, that is what's happening with these two songs. And I think this is Cult operating at the highest level they possibly can. This is the band sounding their best. I really, really, really fuck with everything that they're doing with these songs and just how catchy and soothing they are. And just like the way that um, it's able to bring to, uh, to me, at least something that I haven't necessarily not heard in the past from other acts, but it's always like really, really pleasant to hear a band like Cult doing it in this manner where it just feels like to me like this is their calling this is the exact kind of tones i come to cult to hear and um you know i i, I did ha have some like maybe negative stuff to say about eat acid and then like to some extent amen but the record closing on that stretch of title track denting in the rain and karomi like that more than makes up for any of the faults i could have found within the first two songs this ended up being a record that you know, I don't really look at it in the same limelight as PlayStation 2, and if I have to pick a, a cult record to go to, it's going to be PlayStation. But when it comes to those three songs at the uh, the ending stretch, like I was talking about, like that is about as big of a highlight as some of the stretches when it comes to PlayStation 2. I think, um, you know, those three songs really, in particular, like show a lot of what I love so much about Cult, um, and like just how. Um, you know, this band doesn't really have any limits. And I say that with regard to the time frame that this came out because PlayStation 2 dropped, uh, in June, I believe it was. And then to get, uh, Hedonist out in December, that's a six month gap. It's like, this is the kind of band that, you know, they can really drop whatever they want to whenever they want to. And that's really, really exciting because you never really know what they're going to be doing. Uh, but whatever it is that they're doing, I am, you know, fully there for. And even if, uh, you know, I ended up giving this like a seven and a half, I still do enjoy it. I think those three songs at the end, like I said, incredible, very, very good. And Colt is a band that I think everybody needs to go out of their way to check out in some capacity. The final record to be discussed on this episode is the brand new EP out from Sick Brain called Ashtray for Your Agony. This is the last project being talked about today because it was my favorite overall from last week, or, or rather that was released like in that December time frame. So Sick Brain, I feel like I'm still uh, trying to get a good grasp of who she is. So I had not heard of her until she was featured on Gaslight by Maggie Lineman, which made uh, Maggie's Paranoia EP at this time last year. And with that song, Sick Brain offered... Uh, like this really, really weird and different element to Maggie's act by providing like screaming vocals for Gaslight. And to me, like that was this moment where I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like, you know, like there's something here, like real raw talent. She has like a really, really unique look to herself aesthetically. And that's another element to herself that made me wonder, like, okay, like, Sick Brain is somebody who I really, really should be paying attention to. Um, she had a track back out in, I, I can't remember if it was like May or June, somewhere around that time frame last year with uh, Sway Lee and Skrillex. And that was this really, really weird combo of artists, but I thought it worked to perfection. So I was really, really looking forward to her own eventual project, something that I could like label as, you know, uh, belonging to just Sick Brain and not necessarily hearing about her through uh connections to other artists um i think it was at the end of november when destructible got dropped as a single destructible is the opener to ashtray for your agony that is one of the coolest songs i've been able to hear recently it didn't make the top 100 but it was goddamn fucking close man it, it was right there in contention i think destructible is this incredible song that really shows a lot of emotion and just like um this character within sick brain and how it's able to paint itself perfectly through like the slow building verses and then you go into the chorus that maybe it's not so explosive but it just feels like it's hitting me really really fucking hard and i love that so much about destructible 
Um, I will say now that there were two songs on this release that I rated four out of five to, so I didn't think that they were perfect, but I still liked them, and there were a lot of positives I could take from them. Um, I'm Sick and Overdrive. I'm Sick is, uh, it, it's within that area I was talking about with Gaslight uh, by Maggie earlier, where it's like kind of heavy, but at the same time, it embraces like this electronic side to what Sick Brain is doing. And I think having her screams be implemented into that style, it's really, really cool. And it's a good, different, unique take on this kind of sound. I think maybe there's a little bit like something missing from allowing this kind of a song to fully execute the concepts the way that I, at this point, know Sick Brain can. But again, really, really good. Overdrive, it kind of, uh, so I talked about nightcore earlier when mentioning cult overdrive doesn't have nightcore vibes in the sense of like there's this high-pitched vocal uh, performance going on but it has like that uh high-pitched instrumentation if that makes any sense that was at least the kind of effect that i was able to notice with overdrive um so those two songs overdrive and i'm sick i would say they're the ones that take the most chances on the ep and they don't fail in any way i just don't think they were as good as the other songs present here um problem child is the third song that one was like right up there with what do you want from me by bad omens for the number one song in scenic overlook i kept hearing problem child over and over again and there's something like so like haunting and chilling about the way that it approaches its pacing and the just like the way that the instrumentation is uh put together and how sick brain is able to kind of like um tone her voice down if that makes any sense into like this mopiness and this like dread to really fit what is happening sonically with problem child and it just made for this really really memorable song that as soon as the ep was over admittedly that was the first one i went back to and i kept listening to problem child over and over and over again and I would also say lyrically problem child is one of the areas where this ep really really shines we know you're the favorite, that ego gets inflated, I feel so damn wasted, try hard but I'm still jaded. And then even on the outro where Sick Brain is repeating over and over again, you don't think that I regret taking the attention needing all the help? There's that sense of like just, uh, you know, no pun intended to the, the name of the EP, but that agony within her. And it makes for this incredible song that I think really, really exemplifies everything that I find to be so fascinating about Sick Brain. Um, the song Dopamine actually does feature Maggie Linneman. I think it's like this good, I don't want to say necessarily a callback to what was happening on Gaslight last year, but it's a another instance of these two artists being able to blend their styles perfectly within one another's acts. Um, so Dopamine, you have Maggie being able to provide like those beautiful vocals that she always does, and Sick Brain has that juxtaposition towards the end where she starts screaming and that sort of just like really chaotic and destructive energy i think translates so well into making dopamine this incredible song um and then you go into the closer uh sometime later on fragile ashtray for your agony and what's happening here i think is like this really uh just like kind of brooding almost like a 90s inspired alternative song and the way that it's like so slow all throughout it but it's not slow in the sense of like being boring in any way. It's so just interesting to hear Sick Brain being able to kind of take on this sound and how it builds and builds towards this more emphatic outro and an outro that really, really ends Ashtray for Your Agony on such a high, in my opinion. Um, so again, like coming out of this EP, I don't think it's perfect. I think it has like some small areas with I'm Sick and Overdrive where maybe some of the concepts weren't you know uh fully reaching their potential uh in comparison to what else is happening with songs like destructible and problem child but just overall what is happening on ashley for your agony is i feel this uh you know further expanded connection to sick brain and her material and like you know slowly but surely understanding who she is and how vital she is to the scene and how she's like bringing this versatility to us that i don't think enough people are appreciating i don't think enough people know about sick brain not enough are like really embracing who she is and what she brings to us but i think sick brain is one of those artists who as long as she stays the course and as long as she continues doing what she's doing there's no reason that she cannot be one of the standouts of our scene come the near future and that's it so that was everything I had to talk about for this week's episode. That was officially the start of season two. Um, 
was I harsh on some of these uh, songs? Was I a little bit too harsh? I kind of want to be, or let me let me rephrase that. I don't necessarily want to be more harsh, but I do want to be like just more open and honest because I think that with some of the records I talked about in season one, I was maybe a little bit like too nice or just like maybe I tried to look at just the positives and not really highlight any of the negatives. I do want to kind of be just a little bit more critical, not too critical because then, you know, it's not fun and you just kind of alienate people. Um... But yeah, I, I, I did really enjoy everything I got to talk about this week. I think this was um, a good collection of what, uh, you know, I missed out on in December. And then now moving forward, uh, this season will just be about 2022 releases. You know, I have, uh, I think as of right now, like two songs saved to talk about for the following episode. So yeah, um, if, if you have a project coming out this week, uh, send it my way. I, I, I need some stuff to review. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, let y'all go back to doing whatever it is y'all are doing beforehand. Maybe more interesting than hearing me talk, but, you know, whatever it be, would it be. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And, as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.